What is up, Fat Guy Forum listeners? This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get into this week's episode. A couple things. First, I am very excited that this week, two new things are happening. One, this episode features the updated Fat Guy Forum, Fat Guy 5 questions. Two, if you are a member of the Patreon, the after show starts now. So this week, going forward, will be the brand new Fat Guy Forum after show exclusive to Patreons. So if you are not signed up, Check out the link in the the notes of this episode. Get yourself signed up so you can get access to that extra content involving this show. I'm excited to finally getting it launched and in your hands. So let's move forward with that. That'll be exciting. And if you're not into Patreon and you still want to support the show, don't forget we have the affiliate links in the show notes for Redmond and Kettle and Fire Broths. If you use either of those codes, that helps support us keeping the show on the air as well. So that's all, my friends. Let's get into it. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am happy to be sitting down with a new guest this week. It is someone that I've connected with on Instagram, and he is in the thick of his journey, no pun intended. So I am excited just to talk about where he's been, talk about where he's going, and all the good stuff in between and beyond that. So with me today, I have Ed Hale. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Gourmet. Good, man. Good. I'm glad that you're here. Let's dive into it. Tell us, Ed, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? I mean, man, I I weighed in at 365, probably even more than that. Um, looking at old pictures, I probably was pushed about 400. Um, always been big my, my entire life. So when you say you were always big your entire life, so did you grow up a big kid? Where do, where do you think it really started for you? Oh, there definitely was a big kid growing up i was i played sports growing up and i was always the bigger kid the the slower kid because of my size um and it really started with i enjoyed just like everybody else i enjoyed food and it didn't really matter if it was junk food actual like you know homemade food i enjoyed it and I always ate more than what I should have, but I mean, my parents, my mom, she uh, she really tried to at first try to help us, but then she she was a bigger person too, so we all just always ate whenever we wanted, and we ate too much. And when did you first kind of become conscious of your size? Uh, probably, it, it was a young age. I was probably, I was late elementary school, mm-hmm. I'd say probably fifth or sixth grade. I started to notice that I was bigger than most of the other kids. And, because there's, there's noticing that you're bigger than the other kids and it kind of impacting things then. We're... Did you experience bullying? Like, what was your what was your life like in school when at that time? Uh, there was definitely some bullying from people, but also like I, there were times where I tried to be like like most um, bigger people, the funny person. I tried to make jokes, um, kind of just uh, push away the thought of realizing that I am the bigger the bigger kid out of my group because my group of friends, even in elementary school, um, I was always the bigger one. 
And that was a little rough, you know, trying to keep up with everybody, even though you're, you're having a tough time. And because I have asthma, um, that was a little difficult at times too. And now during that time, like growing up grammar school, heading into, you know, middle school, high school, were you, you said, you know, your mom was, was trying to help you. Were you doing diets at that time? Was it something that you were really conscious of, like you were trying to change or kind of where was your head in all of that, that you can remember? I mean, to to a certain point, there was trying to do diets. Um, my mom, she even did like Weight Watchers back in the day. And like when she would buy the Weight Watchers um, ice cream or like some of the other stuff that I liked, I'm like, oh, it's Weight Watchers. So that must be okay. You can have like more than what you should. And you, so like I'd be the type with the ice, because I like ice cream. I'd eat like a whole box of ice cream. And then of course I try to like hide what I ate. Like most people do at times. So do you think, so, cause I think that's something that I, you know, I relate to, especially when I was younger, like when you say hide what you ate, were you a sneak eater? Was it something that you started to kind of develop that feeling of maybe I shouldn't eat like this around other people? Uh, it was kind of both, but yeah, definitely. I was definitely a sneak eater. Like, I would, especially if I knew, like, they bought extra of something, I'd just go ahead and take, like, uh, <laughs> just thinking about it, uh, I would eat, um, they would buy extra, like, um, fudge rounds, and I'd take the wrappers, I, after I was done, and I would stuff them somewhere so no one would find them, so they didn't know that I was eating, you know, six, eight of them. But definitely a sneaky eater. And did that continue as as you continued to grow? Not not really, because then at the point of high school, I realized you know I'm I'm the bigger person. So I mean I'm not going to really care what people at that time. I didn't care what people thought about me eating what I was eating. And I tried to eat healthy, but at that time, it, just, it didn't really click with me of, like, actually trying to make the change at mm -hmm. that age. No, I can – well, because as much as it's something that you, you see, like, the media talk about, you know, obesity problems in children and, and younger people, it's not something that you sit around with your friends and talk about. Like – No. You know, and it's not even really discussed that much in school. Like, it's not something that's really addressed or anything along those lines, so – you know, it makes sense that it's, you know, we're all able to just say, okay, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. And, and, you know, you have those fleeting thoughts, but, you know, never really have a path of action. Absolutely. I mean, the only time I can remember of someone talking to me in school was actually, it was my junior year. Um, I went to a career center for criminal justice and it was my criminal justice teacher pulled me aside and talked to me and he gave me a book. I forget the, what the book was about so many people's stories of like losing weight and he tried to give me the book. And at the time I was, I, I was mad. Like I will admit, I was mad that he gave me that book, but looking back on it, he meant well, trying to help me change my life. Well, I think that's a common thing. You know, every person yeah. who, who speaks up to someone, 
does it with good intentions, you know, for the most part. Sure, are there people that are intentionally mean? Of course there are. But, you know, it always comes from that place. You know, I think that's a common question a lot of us get asked. Like, you know, I have a family member, you know, I get it all the time. I have a family member who's significantly overweight. How do I talk to them? And I'm like, well, you need to make sure it's a discussion that they're open to and you be expect a reaction, you know, like understand that you can say whatever you want, but that person's reaction is their choice. You know, it's, it's how they're going to handle it. And often it's not, you know, like, like you're describing, it's not often handled that great. So I, I can definitely understand that. Absolutely. And for people, they, they want, they would, they have to get to the point where they want to change. Like someone can keep telling them, Hey, like, I would like for you to change and whatnot, but they're not going to do it until they're ready to. And so where, where did it go for you, from you, for you after school? Like, was there ever a conscious effort to, to make a change or was it just, you had kind of accepted that was the life that you were living? I, I tried to change. Um, and so let me take a little bit here. Um, my, my summer of going into my senior year, I actually lost like, like 60, 80 pounds, but I did it very unhealthy and I would work out two hours a day. I would barely eat, maybe take in 800 to a thousand calories. And at that time, I'm like, oh, well, I'm losing the weight. I did, yes. But also, when it came back, it came back. And I just got a little bit bigger. And then at that point, I kept on telling myself, like, you know, I, I want to get into law enforcement. I'm like, oh, I'll eventually lose the weight. Uh, and that never happened until now. And so one of the things we haven't talked about, is, so how old are you now? I'm 28. Just to give people some context. So after high school, did, were you, where were you, do you remember where you were at weight wise when you left high school? My senior year, I was about 200, 210. Mm -hmm. And so was where I graduated at. So 200 to 210 to, to 365 as a progression, obviously. <laughs> uh, was it something that just, did it come on slowly or was it kind of post-diet, the weight came back and came back more and you kind of got up to that place and just lived there? What, what was that like? Uh, it was kind of slowly at first, but then also like, obviously, I'm not going to use that excuse of my weight, but like when my mom passed, that's I became a emotional eater. Because at that point, too, you had people constantly bringing food over. Because they were like, oh, well, you know, your guy's going through a hard time. Well, here's some food for you. And, of course, you find what you like, and you just you keep on eating that. And there was a few things that people would bring over that I was like, me or maybe my dad were the only one that liked. and But I would eat majority of it. So it slowly just kept on creeping up. And then once I got in college, obviously, once I got to the drinking age, I was drinking a little bit too much also at times. So that did not help my my weight either. 
And so when do you think you got up to your heaviest weight? Is it that, was it just over this past year, you know, in January or was it, had you been there for a while? I've, I've been there for a while. I would say, um, it was my heaviest pro- I got, I got there probably in 2018, 2019. And one of the things that looking back did not help me. I was in a relationship with a girl and, uh, she would always make me feel guilty. Cause at that point I would try to go and go to the gym and try to lose a weight, but she would make me feel guilty of wanting to go to the gym. And instead of going to the gym, we would just go out to eat. And of course, when I go out to eat, I'm not picking any healthy choices. And which is interesting because I, you know, it's, that's that's something I've had guests mention before, like that the imp- the impact of a relationship. Like, was it? Did she feel like you were judging her by you going to the gym, or was it time away from her? Like, where do you think that really came from? <laughs> I I feel like it was the time away from her. She thought that I'm choosing to do something else and not be around her that forced her to kind of be like, hey, well, you need to make a choice. Which one do you want to do? You want to spend time with me before we go to work or do you want to go to the gym? Mm. Which, and, and, and obviously you make the choices you're making, but there's an mm-hmm. impact there. Oh, there, there's definitely impact. And at the time, like, I, I tried to balance it for a while until, and then finally I just realized, well, I guess I'll just stop going to the gym a couple of days and then it ends up being a week and then more. Well, and let's, and let's be honest, we're often, you know, when we're someone who is significantly overweight going to the gym and working out and making the, trying to change those habits, there's a part of us that looks for reasons to, to not do it. You know, that looks for <laughs> reasons, you know, good excuses. And that, that sounds like a pretty solid one. <laughs> absolutely mm. like it, it definitely is no oh, for sure man and so what when you were at your heaviest what was what was life like for you like was there did your weight impact anything that you wanted to do like was it holding you back from anything or was it just you had kind of adapted everything that you were doing i mean the weight definitely held me back from do getting into a field that was always a dream of mine from, from a kid. Um, that's all I ever wanted to do. So the weight was um, causing me not to go after that. Um, and then my asthma was getting a little bit like out of whack. Um, I thought it was under control, but obviously later down the road, as we'll get into probably later, um, it was not under control by any means. And when you say a field that you were interested in getting into, was that law enforcement? Oh uh, yeah. yeah, it was law enforcement or uh, getting into corrections. Which, those are all jobs that have physical requirements. You know, it's, it's <laughs> not just not to say that that someone who is is heavier can't do them, but there's a shape you need to be in to handle those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and to get into. Uh, the academy for it, you have to run a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. 
and the big me is not running well, I was gonna a mile and a half. I can tell you that right now. Mm. I mean, and it, and if I do, it's it's gonna be it's gonna take some time. Well, understood. What? Because this, I, I'm sure there's sometimes there are people that listen when when I get into this part of people's stories, and they're like, you know, people shouldn't let their weight hold them back. They shouldn't, you know. That, that that's not anything that should have impact anything, you know, run the mile and a half and do it like all of those things. And I think there's a part of it, you know, also that happens personally, you know, when you get into it personally, like this idea that not making change, you know, not improving your physical capabilities, your health was having an impact on something that you wanted to do. Like, were there, were there ever points in your head where you're like, you know, what am I doing? Like, what is this? Was that ever like a, a motivating thing for you? Or was it something that you know, was upsetting or, you know, what, what were your feelings around kind of it, looking at that? It was definitely up, upsetting because for a few years, I never thought that I could achieve that goal. And that goal was always in my head, partly because I never wanted anything more than that. And not being able to achieve it really put some bad feelings in my head. And at that point I was I was actually working and working at uh Wendy's. And I almost took it as okay, well, I guess I'll just be working at Wendy's the rest of my life instead uh, of achieving a goal. No, understood, man. Which in that kind of psychological cycle doesn't help once you're kind of in that you know when you're when when you start to get in that place of feeling defeat or feeling like you can't accomplish something it's not like you magically wake up one day and all of a sudden feel like okay wait a minute what am i thinking like it can be something that we get we get stuck in oh yeah i think that's Uh, a normal thing a hundred percent i i definitely agree on that because once you get stuck in that it it takes a lot to get you out from it And then some things came along that did have an impact on your health and, you know, kind of was a catalyst for everything that we are going to talk about as we go forward. Like, take us into to what happened, man. So it originally started in December of um, this previous December. So, um, so the end of 21. I got COVID and then I wasn't really starting to feel well and I went to the ER and then they told me it originally went from COVID into what they were calling COVID pneumonia and the ER told me, which I wish I would have went to a different ER because they sent me home then that night. Yeah. And, and I know you you talked like you had that experience with ammonia. So um, I went home and it was a few days later. And the one thing I remember was when I knew I needed help. I actually might be a little team higher, but I was in the shower and I passed out. Because my oxygen got too low. And I'm always a stubborn person, so I really don't want to go to hospitals unless I absolutely have to. 
And I remember my sister telling me, hey, you have to go. Like, you have no choice. You're either going. She gave me a list of two hospitals. Like, you're going to one or the other. You pick. So I ended up going. And I went to that ER. And when I went in there, my oxygen, I believe it was 78, which is dangerously low. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when you have the nurse saying, oh, my. And I said, I said, what? She goes, your oxygen. And then I, because I didn't know what that, like the average, like a good number. She goes, yeah, it should not be below 90. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, this is great. So then they hooked me up on oxygen. And the number wasn't slowly, it was just staying the same. It wasn't doing any, anything. So then they put me, they put in, uh, they put higher a higher number of oxygen. I forget how much liters I was, but at one point I was on twelve liters of oxygen. I know what that feels like very well. It's like <laughs> it's like a jet engine blasting into you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had the ER doctor come in, and he told me he was going over everything, and he's like, "Well, this is where we're at. Your your weight, and up until." that point I've, I've already lost like 20, 25 pounds because of COVID. And he's like, because of your weight, uh, and your oxygen level ain't going anywhere. Uh, your options are not good. He, he told me, he looked me dead in my eyes and says, you, I don't think you're, you're, you're going to make it. He goes, you got two options here. You either possibly die or you have a, we have to put in a ventilator. And of course, he asked me, how do you feel about that? I instantly knew how it is. If you have a ventilator, it's kind of the last resort. And some cases, you have that the rest of your life. I didn't want that. So I told him, I don't like that idea. And he goes, okay, well, let me go ahead and get the hospital doctor down here and he and have him talk to you also like okay all right that's not what i want okay so so he leaves the room and then i get they take me down to get x-rays of my lungs and this is when i knew i was in trouble for me when there's about five nurses staying around these x-rays and all you hear them say is, oh, crap, that looks terrible. <laughs> and that's when I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. And then they rolled me back in the room. And that's when I found out that I was getting admitted into the, uh, into the hospital. And then they told me that I'm, I'm in respiratory failure. So then at that point is when the hospital doctor came in gave me the same story because of your weight and how you are this covid is attacking respiratory system on you younger people but he said because of your weight he goes i'll be surprised if you pull through now of course me i'm the type of person i think about that and i said all right challenge accepted mm. Yeah, I was going to ask what, where your head was at when you're hearing that. Oh, 
I was scared, completely scared. But then also I, I had my dad there and I'm like, I can't, I can't let him lose a child because he, he, he already lost one. So I can't let him lose another one. And that was rough. I mean, especially when you get into the hospital and then you go in ICU, like it's, it's very rough. And in some ways you want to give up. And there was a part of me, I wanted to give up. But luckily I did not. Now, the one thing is when I wanted to give up, I wrote, I wrote a letter to myself, to my family. And it literally just said, hey, I'm sorry, everything happened. Um, it's my fault for getting all getting so big and all these issues. Because I thought at that moment that I was going to die. So I wanted a little letter that they could read to know how I felt. Those were the, the dark times in the, in, in the hospital. No, I... I... I wrote a similar letter to my family, not when I was in the hospital, but at another time. And so I understand that, man. That's it's it, that's not a good head place to be in. No, it absolutely is not. And and once again, at the same time, I had another doctor. So I, this will make three. Told told me the same thing that she didn't think I was gonna make it. I was that was my second day in the uh, ICU. And that was kind of the wake up call. Like, like I could possibly die from, from this. And that was the scary thing to think about. And that's when I knew, you know, if, and I told myself, if, if I pull through from this, I have to make a change. And obviously and you did. No, God, I didn't mean to cut yep. you off. Go ahead. No, you're good. No, 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 you're good. Yeah, obviously yeah. I did. Yeah. You know? So what, 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 what happened to you from there? You know. So once, once I got out of the hospital, because I spent, um, I spent seven, eight days in the hospital. Four of those days were in ICU. But once I was able to get my oxygen, I had to get my oxygen level to um, three liters. So once I was able to get it down there, then they, they let me go home. And even at home, it was a challenge. Um, I was on oxygen, I was on oxygen at home. I'm still on it 24 seven. And I was on oxygen at home for another two and a half, three and three months. Mm. And now as someone who's done that, were you on the, the machine with a really long cord or did you have tanks? <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah, what I'm you know what I'm about, talking about. Boy. Yes, I do. The concentrator with that long cord. Yes, sir. Yeah, I I was on that, and that thing is so loud. It is not fun at all. I mean, especially once I once I got the once I got my body where I could actually get up and start do do stuff around the house. Not much, but just enough. Um, 
You had to take that long cord with you everywhere. No, 100%. And people who have no idea what we're talking about, you know, it, if you were breathing out of tanks, you'd run out a lot. So this, this machine concentrates oxygen like a tank, but so you're connected to a really long breathing tube. And, you know, I remember I was, I was recovering at my parents' house, you know, care, basically kind of coiling that tube up like a lasso. So if I was close, you know, I'd have like a couple loops of it. If I was trying to push as far away as I could get, you know, it's extending, you know, and then you learn how far you can go. And, you know, it's, it's a, there's a learning curve to it. It's a, it's funny you say that, Gormy, because I can just, I can just picture like the lasso because that's how I used to do it. Mm-hmm. Understood. So you talk about, you know, kind of the wake up call of it all. Like, was, was that cemented in your head when you were, you know, for those, those, those months you were recovering still on oxygen? Like where, where was your head at during all of that? Oh, it, it was constantly in, in my head. And I mean, I even have pictures still all on my phone occasionally. Like if I need like some sort of motivation and realize why, why I'm trying to better myself, I look back at those pictures because that's a situation I never want to be in. Um, it was rough. Um, even at home, being hooked up to a machine all, all the time, it took a toll on my mental health. Um, but luckily for me, m- my family was my support system during, during, they, uh, they helped a lot through that time to make sure I was able to pull through from it. Which is fantastic that they could be there for you for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I'm grateful because both of my sisters, um, they also have iPhones, so they were FaceTiming me every every day every day when I was in the hospital. Even though if I didn't want to talk, they they would just talk and just see me listen to them. And I I believe having that support system is what got me through all the hard times. So when did you start to say, okay, I need to start implementing some changes to how my, you know, working on my relationship with food, my body, like all of those things, like how did, how did that come into action for you? That actually came into action. Um, cause when I'm home on oxygen, you got, can't do and do anything. So I, uh, I was going through TikTok, and I found some people's people lives and they were, um, and they were talking about like eating wise and how they've dropped so much weight and, um, and that helped a lot. Um, and that's when I realized, okay, well I can, I can make small changes because when it comes to making a change, you got to make small steps. You can't, or at least for me, I, I, I believe that you can't go completely full in into it. You got to take those small steps. And, um, for me it was, you know, I was just saying, all right, I got to eat one. I got to eat like one healthy meal of something. So I, so I first started, I was just eating, um, meat and veggies. Just keep it simple. 
but uh, effective. And that's what really helped me, you know, and like I said, seeing these people on Instagram um, and TikTok that gave so much good information to really help. I mean, because two people that really helped uh, off TikTok was uh, David Roden. And then on Instagram, I found um, John Arpino. And then that's how I found you a little later after I was listening to the L- uh, ALG podcast. And like those three people helped so much. Like to for me to realize, okay, I can easily make these steps without, you know, going completely full, full bore and then completely fail. Because that, that's what I was afraid of is making all these changes at once. And failing at it, which and is something. Next- yeah, no, go ahead. no. I was just going to say. It's oh, a, I'm, it's, I'm it's, sorry. Oh no, it's okay. I was just going to say, and that's something that's important for people to think about for themselves if they need to make change. Are they? Because some of us are people that you know you need. Because like for me, when I got started, I had to go kind of all or nothing to get started. Because I knew if I if I gradually tried to step into things, I wouldn't do it. Because I had tried that before and failed at it. But then there are other people like yourself and, and other a lot of others out there who, if you go from zero to 100, you're going to crash. You know, zero to 100 is not going to work. So it's about knowing what's going to work for you. And if, if, if making slow, implement, implementable changes is the thing that works, then do that. Be okay with doing what you need to do. Because in the end, it's not about what someone else does. It's about what you find out works for yourself. Absolutely. You have to find that, that what works. And because if you don't, unfortunately, you're, you're going to fail at it, you know? And as you're saying about like, you know, finding what, what works for you, even when it comes to the gym, when I first started even get back in that, once I got cleared from doctors, I'll just take it in easy. Just of like 10, 15 minutes on the elliptical. And I was doing that. And that that was all the exercise I was doing for a while. Until finally, I was talking to a guy at the gym. And he's like, hey, man, why don't you, you know, take it easy, but try to lift some weights. So then I started to do that. And then I fell in love with lifting weights. I don't, especially like strength training. Absolutely. I, I just fell in love with it. And now, you know, I used to have to force myself to go, go to the gym. But now I'm at the point where I got to force myself to take a day off. Which is a big change. And it's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's really a big change because you never think that you would have to force yourself to take time uh, away from the gym when you used to just was like, Oh man, I gotta go to the gym. I've only been once this week. Um, and it's a completely different mindset, but definitely would not change it. Which is, is fantastic to hear those, those changes happening. Something I'm curious about just what was it like for you when you were finally able to, to be off the oxygen? Like how, how did that feel? Oh, I felt like I was free. 
<laughs> as soon as I got the clear, I I went home. I turned that thing off and I put in it. I put it in a closet until they came and picked it up. Because I, it felt so great to be able to be off of oxygen. I mean, one of the challenges I will say was to get off of oxygen. I don't know about you. I didn't know. I don't know if you had to do it, but we had to do. I had to do a walk, a walk test, and you had to walk. I believe they did five minutes, and they all they kept on checking your oxygen level to make sure it didn't drop. But but if it went under ninety, then you you failed. And then they, then you would have to come back because I failed it the first time. I tried it, my oxygen still wasn't there. But then once, once I passed, I felt absolutely great. Oh yeah, I, 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 I definitely understand that feeling. <laughs> That's a having the, I had the, 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 you know, the, the pulmonologist, uh, you know, just walking me up and down the hallway, and he's like, okay, let's test now. Keep going, a few more laps. I'm like, what am I? Doing? I'm dying. He's like, we got to see what's happening. We got to see what's going on. You know? So like, so is it almost done yet? Like, mm -hmm. come on. But Absolutely. No. I, I completely get that feeling. Yeah. But it's a, it is a, and the, the other thing that had to be was, you know, I know for me it was, and I'm sure it was for you too. It's like, it's a sign of, of healing and getting better, you know, because I think there's a, you know, there was a point for me, you know, and I wasn't on oxygen as long as you were after the hospital, I was only on for another month. Um, it felt like I was never going to be off of it. Like it was never going to go away. It was never something that, you know, it's almost like you start to be like, well, what if I have to do this forever? Because, you know, the doctors are always saying stuff like, you know, we're going to, we want to get you off of this, but you know, we have to be realistic about what your body can do and what happens and you know, all of that. And, you know, so that's, that's a big sign, you know, it's a good one. Oh, absolutely. Like, and I felt that I felt the same thing of, I thought I was never going to get off of it, even when I was on it. Like, you know, a month happened, then two months. And I had I had a couple, like, little meltdowns of, like, because I just, I just felt like I was going to be stuck to it the, my entire life. And just that just drove me nuts. So once they actually gave me the clear to be off of it and go back to work, I felt absolutely great. Mm-hmm. I believe it. And that was just earlier this year that this, so people also kind of, if, if for somehow they miss the dates, you know, we're talking, you know, that this was 2022 that you're going through all of this, you know, it was December that you went into the hospital, but you know, the oxygen is with you well into the, into the new year. So, you know, this is, this is not something that is even, you know, years ago when you're flashing back to it, like this is recent, like that it's, it's, it's yeah. stuff to talk about, man. And you clearly progressed. You talked about your, that progression in the gym in terms of falling in love with working out, you know, lifting. Uh, how did your relationship, how is your relationship with food progressed? You know, we're, we're heading close to October. Um, you know, so we're the 10th month of the year. So like 10 months into this for you, like how has your relationship with food progressed and what you're doing with food? I mean, it, it's, it's changed so much. Like I don't, I occasional, you know, I, I, I will make occasional, like I'll have, I'll go off my, my plan and have something like this past week. Um, we had our county fair 
and I, I went with my sisters. And I, I had a few things that was not on plan at all. But I'm consistent of making sure I'm eating right. I'm hitting my macros. I'm tracking my, my food. And I actually, like, sometimes I actually enjoy meal prep. And starting to enjoy actually, like, cooking stuff here and there. Compared to, I used to just hate cook. I, I, I didn't want to cook. I'd rather just go through a drive through Get me some Taco Bell or something. And and I was okay with that. So, like, with everything, it's developing and, and progressing for you. Oh, it, it definitely is. And let's let people know. So, like, one of the things I say in the show is, you know, I talk to people at all stages of their journeys. You know, we're not sitting here today saying, okay, you know, 365 pounds at the beginning of the year and now today you're exactly where you want to be like but where are you at man how has how has how has it progressed for you i mean right now i'm i'm i'm, I'm bouncing a little bit but i'm about um two eight about 285 to 289 we're just we're bouncing but i mean on most of the time, we're you know we're eighty pounds down. So, I mean, it's a big, big improvement in in these last nine months, you know. And we got a few more months left until the new year, until I hit that that one year mark since I went into the hospital. And by the time that hits, I'll definitely be a completely different person than what I was last year. Which you, you've been putting work in, you know, for sure. And that, that's evident. Like where, so looking at where you're at now, like where do you want to get to? Like what are the goals that you're working on? Now, like weight-wise or in the gym or what are we talking All of them. All of it. Okay. All righty. Well, the goal is to get to 225. <laughs> I, I would like to get to 220, 220, 225 is where, where I want to be. Um, but also I would like to get down to the point where I can be at 199. So I could say that I'm under 200. E e even if it's for like a day, I'd be okay with that. I mean, I'd be okay with that in, in the gym. I mean, um, thanks to one of my buddies, I, I did a uh, amateur powerlifting meet, um, in August and so now I'm starting to work on more with squats, deadlifts, bench. Um, right now, one of the goals in the gym is to be able to deadlift 405. Um, I've been working at it. Um, last week I hit 335. So we're, we're slowly getting there. Um, Definitely want to work on the bench too. I want to break. I want to get two twenty-five on bench, and uh, also for squat, I want to get build up to two two seventy-five. And something that I I would love if you, do you remember the first time you were doing those movements in the gym, what you were lifting? <laughs> yeah. No, because I, I think it's good for people to hear to understand that you can get stronger. Yeah, um, 
the same buddy that uh, talked me into doing the powerlifting meet. I we worked out, um, and I I could barely I could barely do one thirty five for like for like three. Like I was pretty much doing the bar for uh, for ten for ten. And now, I mean, my bench has always been on my weak point. But, I mean, like last week on bench, I hit uh, 170. So, definitely get getting stronger. You know, you can still lose weight and still get stronger. It's, it's kind of weird because you're still trying to be in a calorie deficit. But it's definitely possible. No, it 100% is. And it's, it's good for people listening to your story to understand that there's a starting point and the starting point doesn't define where you're going to be even a few months later. You know, it's that consist it's that consistent work. It's building those habits. Absolutely. You have to build the good habits of putting the work in the gym, but also putting the work in, in the kitchen because you, you cannot work you cannot outwork a bad diet i it's just it's impossible i mean i did i mean i did even at my bigger time when i would force myself to go to the gym i was still eating like complete crap now granted i was only going like maybe two days a week but what i was eating wasn't wasn't anything good for me compared to what i'm having now And that's one of the one of the things I think that's important is like when people make that connection and you make that connection between changing what you're eating and what you're doing in the gym and how they're interrelated, you know, and they support each other in a lot of ways. I, absolutely. They they really do support each other. It's they it's support each other more than some people really think about it. No. And even if it's just the fact that if you eat like crap, you're going to feel like crap when you're in the gym and you don't like feeling like crap when you're in the gym. So if you're enjoying the gym and you're not enjoying the food side of it, at the very least, use that motivation to make yourself feel better in the gym. And then if you're putting that work in at the gym, if then you then goes into your head, well, if I'm doing all this work, why am I going to eat like crap, you know, and throw that, like you said, you can't outwork a bad diet. So if you're doing all this actual work in the gym and you're not following a plan, then none of it's adding up. Right. Mm, definitely. I mean, you 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 have to have you got to make sure you're, you're eating. And like I used to think like that eating eating good it's bo- was boring. I I never thought that like, you know, you can make something healthy taste good. But as I'm on this journey, I'm realizing I was, I was definitely wrong on that. Well, and that's, you know, that leads me to another question, man. Like one of the things you talked about was kind of in your quote unquote before days, you know, not seeing what you're doing now as possible. Like, what does it feel like now to get up every day and realize that this is, this is something that you're, you're, you're doing. I mean, it, it feels great because now I'm 
I'm looking forward to some of my goals that I've always had and actually going after the now because they're more realistic for me mm-hmm. at at like 285 compared to pushing 400. So does that mean you're working on 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 running a mile and a half? Uh well, not not quite. Not quite. Um I actually um are is in the hiring process for a corrections job. So, I mean, we're not quite going for complete law enforcement running a mile and a half cuz I I do not like to run. <laughs> not at all. I mean, but I'm trying to get my conditioning up. I've actually found enjoyment out of um, this stairmaster. Mm, oh, that's not <laughs> that's not something a lot of people listening to this are gonna are gonna say they could resonate with. I mean, I like it, mm-hmm. and I even even on September 11th, I uh, I did the uh, the stairmaster challenge with 110 uh, floors that you climb. Nice, that's awesome. Oh, granted. It took me 54 minutes, but, mm-hmm. but it felt good. And you did it. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. And hey, I can't even tell you the number of, of friends that I've had that get into corrections and then eventually move over into law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's, a, there's a pathway there for sure. You know? So hey, you may discover next year that you're, you're doing, you know, next year or two or in a couple of years that running is something that you're, you're getting into doing. You never know, man. And look at all the things that have happened now, you know, that probably wouldn't have seemed possible. You know, think about, think about October last year, you know, if we're the, the place you were in October of 2021 versus the place where you're at, you know, heading into October of 2022. A completely different. I mean, I have a picture of me from October of last year and the picture now compared to then night and day i bet man and never mind those pictures and you've shared some of those pictures on your instagram of when you were in the hospital and dealing with oxygen and dealing with all those things Mm -hmm. so you know it's 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 amazing to see the transformation you can make Mm -hmm. oh absolutely and it was one of those i debated that for a little bit did you but yeah oh yeah oh yeah because it's not the most flattering picture out there so (laughs) so it's like well you know what if we're going if we're going to post it let's post it and show people hey you know it is possible to make a change no you're you're certainly proving that every day man definitely trying each day is a challenge Mm -hmm. but each day I'm getting better than what I was. What are what are the things that you think are, are the biggest challenges you're facing right now? Um it's kind of like two. I'm still battling with some asthma issues. Um, but I'm still I'm still struggling of and I know a lot of people can probably relate. But when I look in the mirror, even though I've lost 80 pounds, I still see the same person. And I know eventually maybe I will be able to get over that. But it's still hard to 
look at yourself and you still see that bare person still in in the mirror. Well, that that so person that person was there less than a year ago, man. <laughs> yeah. It, and then that's when I I go back and I look at pictures that I've took over the last you know nine months, mm-hmm. and I compare and I realize you know I've definitely came a long way in these last nine months than I have when I tried a few years back. Understood for sure, man. And I think that kind of body dysmorphia is something that affects most people when they're when they're on a weight loss journey, especially when they're losing a significant amount of weight. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when when you're losing, you know, over a hundred pounds, I mean, it, you're you're going to deal with it, mm-hmm. and it it takes a toll on you to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But you also know that you can o- overcome that. No, you're, cer- you're certainly showing everyone that, man. And if anyone listening wants to follow along with your journey and, and see where you're at, man, and what you're doing, where's the best place for them to find you? Uh, probably Instagram. And uh, it's um, Ed's Weight Loss Journey 13. Well, I, I will make sure that there's a link to that in the show notes for this episode. Um, Ed... We, we've talked a lot about where you've been and, and where you're at and where you're going. Is there anything that we haven't gotten to talk about yet today that you wanted to make sure we did? Not that I can really think of. I think we really went over it from the struggles of being in the hospital until where we are now. No, for sure. Which I appreciate your openness and being able to kind of bring that experience to people to realize, you know, the things that you've been through and how you can come through them. And, and where you're at now. So, you know, I'm excited to see what happens for you. And I'd love to have you back on the show when you do get to those goals and absolutely you know, talk about what that's been like. That, that would definitely be awesome. For sure, man. So Ed, I end every episode with five questions that I call the fat guy five and you, I've tweaked them a little bit. So you're going to be the first person to go through those questions. Are you ready for them? Uh, bring it on. Okay, so here's the first one. It hasn't changed because I feel like this is this is one of the <laughs> questions that the podcast was built on. Tell us, said question number one: Who, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? All right, so I was a r- wrestling fan when I was a mm. kid. Now this was before my, my time, but like watching some old videos, Yokozuna. Mm. Well, like you, you, you know, John Arpino is going <laughs> to like hearing you talk about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but that big guy how he moved in the ring was just mm-hmm. unreal oh yeah he he showed that you could move mass around for sure man question number absolutely two, question number two ed tell us what is something about yourself that you love something that i love that i'm starting to get more courage to go after the goals that I set years ago that I never thought would even be possible to go after. I like it. That's a good one, man. Question number three, Ed, thinking about, especially, you know, these past nine months, what do you think has been the most important habit that you've built that has helped you? Definitely 
tracking my, my food mm. of, because that keeps me uh, accountable mm-hmm. because I know if I eat it, it's going down in my tracking app. And that is so important to know what, even if it's not, not something good, you still got to track it. No, that's a good one, man. Question number four, Ed, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? I mean, I, I go back to, um, my my dream mm-hmm. and actually be employed in in corrections and maybe even work my my way up to becoming a sergeant or or even higher than that nice well looking at what you've accomplished man i have no doubts that that's going to be something you're moving towards for sure and question number five today and last question for you on this episode what is something, if you could go back in time, talk to yourself on that first day you got started on this journey, what is something you would want to tell yourself? Remember, don't ever give up. You are in a tough spot. You're going to be overcoming a lot of challenges your way. But no matter what you do, just keep putting the work and overcome those challenges and even prove some people wrong. I like it, man. So Ed, a big thank you for coming on the show today and sharing everything with us that you did. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Gormy. Definitely. Definitely. Like I said, Ed's contact information will be in the show notes. If you want to reach out to him, if you want to connect with me, you know, you can find me on Instagram at Gormy goes keto on Twitter at Gormy goes keto. You can email the show at the fat guy forum at gmail.com. And hey, I want to remind you that starting with this episode, if you are a member of the Fat Guy Forum Patreon, you are going to get access to a special bonus episode where this conversation with Ed will continue for a little bit longer. So if you have not signed up, link in bio for that. Get yourself signed up so you can get access to that after pod and all the other ones that are to come. I'm really excited for that to be out there. So I wanted to make sure everyone hears that message from me one more time. And then, as always, my friends, go out there today to do something to amaze yourself because you're the most amazing people I know. And that, I feel like I'm giving you a list of tasks today, people. But hey, then you got to come back and catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the very first Fat Guy Forum after pod, the after podcast. I haven't 100% settled on the name yet, but that's what we're going with for right now. With me, I have this week's guest, Ed Hale. He is still here. Ed, how are you doing? How are you feeling now that we, we finished our conversation? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I was a little, a little nervous at first, but mm-hmm. I think it, it came out pretty good. Yeah, this was, your, this was your first time doing a podcast, right? Yes. Hey, you got you to gotta start somewhere, man. So I, I appreciate you coming on the show and taking the time to talk. You know, a lot of the stuff you went through, like you said, are are things that I can really relate to, you know, especially the pneumonia experience. So I, I just appreciate you opening up about that. You know, now that you're sitting, you know, a few minutes after us finishing, is there anything that you wish you had talked about during the episode, man, or anything you wish you, you know, anything you want to kind of go into some more detail on? Um, I, 
I'm really not sure, but I mean, just the whole hospital experience, you know, mm. was definitely a still a, a rough time whenever yeah. I think about it. But I know that that happened to me for a reason. Mm. And I keep telling myself it was a shitty situation, but I pulled through. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful that I, I am here now and putting in all the work that I have to get where I am. No, I, I'm grateful you're in it. And I think, and if, for, and I'm not saying every person has to go through pneumonia, you know, for to understand this experience. <laughs> but if you have been in an emergency room or in an intensive care unit and had a doctor tell you that they're not sure if you're going to make it, that that changes you in that moment. You know, that gives you a, a perspective that you didn't have before. Absolutely. It really does. And until you're in, in that spot, like you, you can somewhat understand, but you won't fully understand mm. and it's uh, it's com i want you to know that it's completely normal to just a couple months later still be still have moments where you think about it and what you went through and you know for me i i think it was probably at least a year a solid year or almost two that i i felt comfortable you know i always had that moment of nervousness when i was mm -hmm. pushing myself especially activity wise you know when i still was and i would still do it but you had that little thought in your head like is something coming back? Is, is, is there an after effect that I don't know about? Am I going to be dealing with something like all of those fears I, I think are things that we sometimes don't think about, you know, because we get a clean bill of health, you know, there's still the effects of that trauma. Oh yeah. hundred uh, percent. You still, when something small happens, you automatically think of like, is it going to happen again? Is this why I'm going through whatever I'm going through? Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, for me, the, the first time I got a cold after was terrifying because I was like, is this going to become pneumonia again? Like I, you know, you have all those things <laughs> about like breathing sounds and, you know, I had the breath machine and, and I ended up at one point getting my own pulse ox meter. And so I would still whip that. Even now, sometimes I'll still whip that out and just check where I'm at, you know, to see <laughs> where my oxygen's at. And it's been, you know, almost five years for me, like it's it's something that has a, has a lasting impact for sure i mean it it tr truly does and i i i definitely have one of those oximeters too mm -hmm. and occasionally I'll, I'll check it oh, understood and i never even knew that you could buy them <laughs> like that's the wildest thing i remember that when i said to a doctor like the doctor's like you know you can get one of these and i'm like how do i arrange doing that and they're like you you go in the drugstore it's like 20 bucks and i'm like <laughs> okay it seems like it's a much more complicated <laughs> machine than that. And he's like, it's really not like, no, you can go grab one right now. They sell them down the street. I'm like, okay, good to know. Good to know. It's like, great to know. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, Ed, I don't want to keep you forever. I do want to ask one more question. And that is, is there anything else you want to say to people listening, you know, who might be in that place of having, just started their journey or not, not really gotten themselves to the place of starting yet that you think they should think about? Just start. If you are thinking about it, just commit to it. And even when you commit to it, take the small steps, do something to get you going. 
even if it's just one he a healthy meal. Just I'm just gonna go walk, you know, ten minutes or get on an elliptical for some time. It's just the fact of once you make one good habit, you will make multiple good habits. And once you do that, your journey gets a little easier. It's not gonna be completely easy, because along the way, you know, your journey you will have ups and downs, but just stick with it and you will feel so much better within a year or two years or whatever it takes to get to where you want to be. I love that, man. Thank you so much again, Ed. I really appreciate your time today. Yep. Thank you, Gormy. So I really appreciate Ed sitting down with me for this week's episode you know, one of the things I want to do in this afterprod is a couple things. Like one of the, the things I want to talk about, you know, are kind of my thoughts and reactions to our interview. If there was anything that is surprising or had an impact on me. And, you know, one more thing towards the end that I'll, I'll throw out there to you all. I appreciate you all so much. As Patreons, I say it in the show, but I really mean it. It's your contributions that keep this show going. Literally, without without your your Patreon payments. I would not have the resources to be able to handle the recording and the production costs because putting on a podcast and having it be up there and out on all these different platforms, it's not free in the end. You know, there are, are different resources that I have to access to be able to do that. So I appreciate all of you and I thank you for being here. Uh, I, some of the things that really stood out to me, you know, talking with Ed is, you know, I love these discussions that I can have with people that aren't that far into their journey. You know, he's made amazing progress. You know, he's down almost 80 pounds and that's fantastic. But like we, like we were talking about, you know, he just started in January of this year. So he has further to go, but it's good to kind of hear the changes that he's made so far and the things that he's focusing on and those things that can develop because it shows you what can happen, you know, during that short period of time. And you know, he made he made the point about making small changes. And I think that is really important that if you're someone out there who has tried that all or nothing approach and consistently find yourself coming up short, like you hit a wall or you break, you know, any of those things that can happen, realize that implementing those small actionable changes are going to be the things that you might need. You know, like I said, I'm someone that especially when I started keto, I literally it was a Sunday night, you know, a Sunday I made that decision and I cleared out my house and I started on Monday morning, you know, a hundred percent. And that's the way that I operate, but you don't, you might not operate the way that I do. So I really just want to reiterate that idea that finding what works best for you is really, really, really important. You know, the other thing, it didn't surprise me. I knew we were going to talk about his hospitalization. We knew, I knew we were going to talk about what he went through with pneumonia, but it is the things that it brings up for me, the things you remember like having that oxygen concentrator with, I think I had a, a 20 foot or a 25 foot cable on it. And I could walk around the dining room table at my parents' house. I could make it to the bathroom and I could make it into the kitchen from the living room where I was basically living. Um, and that was about it. And when you're tethered to something like that, it's an experience. And if I left the house or had to go further than that cord, it was on a tank and that's even more nerve wracking. So, you know, that brought up a lot of things for me, you know, that make me grateful for where I'm at in my life and where I've come from and, you know, what I've been able to do. And so it's nice to hear the experiences of other people, you know, so I hope that you appreciated Ed's story as well and would love some feedback. So comment on this, this posting. I think that ability should be there for y'all. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm new with sharing a podcast with you. One of the things you'll be able to do, that RSS feed that comes with this episode in the, in the Patreon post, you can put that into any podcast player that you use, and you'll be able to get these new episodes when they drop as well. So I'm excited just to keep this growing. One of the ways that I want to keep it growing, a couple of different things. I want to open it up to if you have any questions for me you'd like me to answer about the show, the production of the show, about anything that I'm doing, you'll be able to ask those questions. I'll be putting up a weekly question post on Patreon. Also, when I schedule a recording with a guest, I'm going to give you a little bit of information about them before I record so that I can ask them your questions. So we can have these guests ask, you know, answer questions from the Patreon as a special part of the Afterpod. So I hope that you're excited to be a part of that. I'm excited that you're here. Hope y'all are doing well. And hey, get ready for next week's episode. Thank you.